One more time, Voices of Triumph. Let's praise the Lord for that. Hey, by the way, did y'all did y'all notice that there's somebody in that choir that looks familiar? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, see, as, I, as she was singing, I said, we, does anybody realize that we got the move? Praise the Lord, amen? That's the Shea Whitehead. She belongs to us. Oh, yeah, and, and James and Orlean, too. And, yeah, and her grandmother and sister grand and all that. <laughs> but we're proud of you, sweetheart. Praising the Lord. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> you know, my, I might as well. It's just a shameless plug for Oakwood. Just a shameless plug. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. I'm just trying to tell you. Uh, nevertheless, media team, put my uh, presentation on the screen. Uh, I want to uh, continue in this vein that we've been going in where we're talking about the love of God. As I've told you before, the Bible pretty much can be summed up in about three words. How many words does I say, everybody? Three. About three words. Those three words are God is love, period. Your life story can be summed up. Have you ever thought about that for a second? Have you ever said, now, what, what, what has my life really been about? Can I tell you what it's been about? Let me help you out. God is love. The Lord done loved your behind through stuff. Come on, say amen. How many can testify that your whole experience has not been your faithfulness, but God's faithfulness? God's faithfulness. And that song choir, oh my gosh, was so fitting for the message today. Today, the title of our message is Stratagem, 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 Stratagem. I'll define what that means in a minute. And the main point of my message today is very simple. Keep calm. And let God keep his promises. Can y'all say that with me? Keep calm and let God keep his promises. One more time. Keep calm and let God keep his promises. One more time, everybody. Keep calm and let God keep his promises. So a couple of things I want to say as, as we get into our message today is I used to think, you know, as I've been studying through Genesis, Genesis has really begun to kind of kind of unlearn some stuff that I kind of thought about the Bible. And I, let me tell you, let me tell you one thing I've thought about the Bible, see if you understand. I used to think that Bible characters were like super saints. No, I'm serious. I mean, I still kind of do a little bit just because I've been trained my whole life to see these people in the Bible as heroes, like that they are on some other level that we're not on. But what I'm realizing, especially, and if you get a chance while we're in this series, we are specifically in the area of covenant. These are really what we're studying is the seven phases of salvation. It just really helps you to understand what the Bible really is all about. If you have friends that are trying to figure this religion thing out, this is really what it's all about. And where we are now, we're at the area of covenant. Covenant is a powerful terminology that simply expresses that God says, look, I'm going to come basically down with my love and I'm going to put myself in your situation. And here's what you have to do. The only thing you have to do is believe my promises. That's it. That's hard for me to wrap my mind around. I don't know about you, but I've grown up in church to the extent that all of us, I don't care where you are, you kind of feel like you have to do something to help God out. And and as I'm reading through Genesis, I'm assuming, especially if you assume that Bible characters are like otherworldly, or like on some plateau and some pinnacle that we're not on. If you think that way, then you'll begin to assume, just like a lot of people do with the pastor, that, well, the pastor's supposed to be holy. The pastor is on some pedestal. He's high and he's lifted. Just ask my wife who I really am. And, you know, you, you, you get clear. I mean, it's like, no, I, like, I, I, I am a human being. And what God does not want us to do is he does not want us, he does not want us making heroes out of humans. He does, you can't, listen, brothers and sisters, the whole point, and there's a statement from the spirit of prophecy I don't have time to read right now, but essentially what Ellen says is, she says the reason why God puts all of the dirty laundry of, of the most significant people in the Bible, in the Bible, is for the express purpose of trying to encourage you. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. The reason why God... He does not hold back any of the faults of these guys. One, one young man asked me a very good question the other day, and I'm, and I'm sure you've asked it before. How come God never checked these patriarchs for, for polygamy? 
family. Abraham, Isaac is the lone exception. But Jacob, all three of these guys, these are the main guys in the Bible. And we like to make them these super holy guys. And as I'm reading Genesis, especially with Abraham, yo, your boy Abraham made countless mistakes. There's only one moment in Abraham's life where you can really say he was a man of faith. And that's when he took his son, his only son, and offered him up. And the Bible says Abraham believed God and credited to him as righteousness. And then the Bible went so far as to say he became a friend of God. Now, in my mind, I'm like, dude didn't do enough to merit the title friend of God when he lied, when he <laughs> lied twice about his wife being his sister, by the way. He also, he also decided to help God out in the process of having a son because he thought he was too old. And his wife made a suggestion, well, why don't you get a concubine to help you? And of course, Abraham was a willing servant and said, well, come on, bring it anyway. I, I mean, whatever it is that we can do to help the plan of God go forward. And, and one, of, one of the things I'm noticing, Abraham, Isaac, we'll get to Jacob more deeply next week. We're going to look at Esau and Jacob a little bit today. And what I'm discovering is, please don't miss this, everybody, because your whole frame of reference on how you relate to God needs to shift away from seeing certain people as being closer to God than you are. Your grandmother is not closer to God than you are because she likes coming to church. When we look at these characters in the Bible, they had serious flaws, made big mistakes, and let's be honest, I'm going to tell you right now, if Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or David, or some of these guys were to walk into our church today, and want to take church office and be pastors or leaders or conference presidents, we wouldn't accept these characters in our church based on the, the laundry list of things that they had gotten involved in? No, come on, be honest, saints. Come on, be honest. I know, oh no, they were really righteous. Here's the message of the Bible. Not that Abraham was righteous. Not that Isaac was righteous. Not that Jacob was righteous. The message of the Bible is this. Christ, our righteousness. This is, this is something that I'm learning right now. And as I start listening to some of my old sermon tapes, I, I cringe and I'm like, man, oh God, forgive me. I wasn't preaching the gospel. I was preaching behavior modification. I was scaring people. I was trying to use persuasion and manipulation to get people to live right for God. But I wasn't preaching the righteousness of Christ. I mean, I had to repent as I'm studying the word of God, realizing that there is nothing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There is absolutely nothing inside of us that merits us for the love of God. Go to the next slide for me. I want to show you guys something. I want to go, go to the next slide. Listen to this. The idea that God's love must be merited is satisfying to our sense of what, everybody? Go back, go back. But agape love, what kind of love, everybody? Informs us that God's love is self-contained, stay with me now, and not in, go to the next slide, any sense aroused or generated by anything we may do to earn it. In other words, God's love is not, please don't miss this, God's love is not given because you merit it. Or because you deserve it. And he doesn't just give you a little bit of love if you've been a little bit of good. Or a whole lot of love if you're a whole lot of good. God does not operate that way. On the nastiest day of your life, God's love is the strongest. The Bible says we're sin abounds. The Bible says grace, Lord Jesus, doth much more abound. Oh, y'all looking at me crazy. Can we pause for a minute and just acknowledge our Savior and his goodness? Is there anybody in here today that's ever regretted something you've done, that's ever fallen flat on your face and felt like God could not forgive you where you are, would not accept you where you are? But here's the good news. You couldn't do anything bad or good to get God's love. God's love just keeps coming. God, teach me, teach me. Watch this. His love is not dependent upon what we have to offer him. Go on, go on, go to the next one. This is both great, this is both greatly to our benefit and very humbly. Don't lose that side of that word. In our what, everybody? Fallen condition, we want to be loved 
based on our attractiveness and virtues. On the premise of what we have to offer. Nobody is inclined to enter a relationship in which someone might say in so many words, watch this. You're ugly, stupid, and annoying, but I love you anyway. Will you marry me? (laughs) Of course, the answer would be what? All right, keep rolling. I'm going to break this down a second. The fact is that we are ugly, stupid, and annoying, and that's an understatement. The Bible actually says we are fallen, rebellious, defiant, selfish individuals who have imposed immeasurable pain upon the heart of God. If God's love were dependent on attractiveness in us for its engagement, go to the next slide, we would all be hopelessly lost. That's my good friend Ty Gibson. Love him. See him on 3ABN. Basically, this is it. God looked at us and said, yo, I want to marry you. Even though you're annoying, stupid, you're a liar, you're manipulative, you're going to kill me. But I'm going to marry you anyway. (laughs) It ain't hit you yet. We don't do church that way. Like what I've noticed is we shout on the righteousness of Christ. We love to sing songs about God's grace and mercy, but we don't want to apply that stuff. Do you really want to be a Christian? Yo, Jesus said, you are disgusting, but for some reason that's attractive to me. What you want to do is make yourself look attractive so that God will like you. God says, stop trying to dress yourself up because I can see you as you are anyway. God, please take away this fake, self-righteous, churchy garbage that makes people front all the time. Oh my God, raise up a church that acts like an AA meeting. Where people are not ashamed. God help us, we're not there. Help us, Jesus. We were not ashamed to say I'm hurting. I got a problem in my marriage. I've got an addiction issue. But grace has not hit us. If we were a gracious people, sinners would flock here. But our problem is, is we're trying to make ourselves attractive to God by the stuff we do. And the Bible says your righteousness is as filthy sanitary napkins. That's God's language, not mine. Oh, pa- pa- pastor says filthy rags. Do you know what a filthy rag is in the Bible? God says, that's how I see your attractiveness. Watch this. Next slide for me, yeah. The danger, now this is Ellen. The danger has been presented to me again and again of entertaining as a people false ideas of justification by faith. Just so you understand, Justification by faith is salvation. How is one saved? What Ellen White is saying right here is she's like, yo, I'm, I'm concerned about the church. They haven't gotten the message of salvation. How do you know that, Ellen? Because they don't act like it. They're still trying to be attractive to God so that he can bless them. Anybody been unattractive and God blessed you? teach our children. If you're a good boy, God will, he will bless you. Yeah, but even if you're a bad boy, he'll bless you. That bothers some of you. And the reason why it bothers some of you is because you don't know you're bad. Watch this. She keeps on going. She said, man, this thing bothers me. She says, I have been shown for years that Satan would work in a special manner to confuse the mind on this point. On what point? Confusing people that they've got to be a certain way to get God to like them. That's what the whole church system is about that. Dress this way. Look this way. Talk this way. Don't have this on. Don't wear that. Don't go there. Don't do this. God's pleased. 
same Bible. There's nothing you can do to merit God's love. You're a failure at that. It doesn't work. I'm tired of people coming to me saying, Pastor, I'm going to come back to church when I get myself together. If you could get yourself together, most of us in the church still don't got our stuff together. Can I get a witness in here? I'm still trying to work. Thank you. Ah, I love, I love the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm still trying to get some stuff right in my life. And every time I try to get it right, God says, keep calm and trust my promises. You can't do it. Listen, everybody who is young in here today, stop thinking you've got to be holy in order for God to be pleased with you. God says, I love you in spite of your unholiness, your wretchedness, your nastiness, your filthiness. I love you just because that's who I am. Satan wants to confuse us on that. He wants to make God look like your teacher in school. If you score a good grade. Anybody have teachers like that? They have favorites? The smart kids? The well behaved. Listen, I'm telling you, I thank God every time I get to go and see some of my old teachers and they see your boy now. I know, that ain't, I know that ain't totally spiritual, but it so does feel good. It so, feels so good to prove people wrong. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh. Next slide. Go here. There is, not one, there is not a point that needs to be dwelt upon more earnestly. Now listen to this. All you Adventists, listen to this. What should we be dwelling on more earnestly? She says, repeat it more frequently or establish more firmly in the minds of all. What is it? What should we be focused on? Then the impossibility of fallen man meriting or deserving anything by his own best works. She says, I want you to focus on, remind the people over and over again, it's an impossibility to earn God's righteousness. Some of you live in guilt all the time. Some of you, oh, Lord, help in Jesus. Some of you eat something, have a bowl of ice cream, and you, and you feel like you got to repent. Some of you got family members that go to churches on different days, and they ask you to come visit. When you walk in, you feel like you're going to go to hell. You're just always in a scare. You're just scared God going to get you. Because you think, if I, I got to do it this way, I got to do it that way, I got to do it this way, and if I do it that way, he likes me. <laughs> All right, go to the next slide. Go to the next, go to the next slide. So here are the three philosophies of salvation. Three. I'm almost done. Three philosophies. The first one is, is man loves God. I got to worship and praise him, and he's acceptable. And if I do this and do that and keep his commandments and blah, 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 just, oh, I just love God. I love God. I, that's what I'm supposed to do is just love God. Wrong. Second one is, well, no, no, that's wrong. That's an extreme. But God loves me. I'm, I love him. And we meet in the middle. You know how we say people, tell people all the time, um, you got to do your part and God's going to do his part. All right. Let me show you what real salvation is. You already see it. God loves you. Then he comes down in you, helps you to love him. I wish I could roll my eyes all the way over. Y'all didn't miss that. Now, on number three, what do you do? You just believe. You just, I agree with you. I agree. I agree that I have no responsibility for my salvation except to believe that what you said you're going to do in me, you're going to do. The problem with many of you is you're trying too hard to be good. And being good gets you in hell. You know how I know that? The Pharisees were the goodest people on the planet. And they killed Jesus. And the Bible says that your righteousness has to actually climb above the righteousness of the Pharisees. 
Some of you, I'm telling you, some of you are just always in a guilt-ridden state and you just don't know how you should relate to God. And, and so you skip church for, for a couple of days because you, you sinned and you, you looked at some porn or something and you feel bad or you, you went and got high or you were depressed and you went and got drunk and, and you were just, I can't go to church and I can't pray and I can't read my Bible because I've I fallen, I had sex with my girlfriend, I, I did some stuff and I just feel bad. I, 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 God is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Ask me, even in your worst moment, ask me for help, then keep calm and let me keep my promise that I'm going to come down in you and help you to love me. Go, go, go to this next slide here. Notice what John says. First John 4.10 says this. This is love. That's the Bible. Oh, y'all don't believe me. Pick up your own Bible there. No, Pastor, you, you cut and paste that on the screen. Look in your own word. This is love. Talk to me, John. What is it? Not that we love God. Let me help you out. You never love God one day in your life. You never will. You cannot love God. I'm so free right now. I don't know what to do myself. You can't. No, really. You think that you can love God in such a way that he's happy with the kind of love you give him? Look at Genesis. Not one of those guys, Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, was totally faithful. This is love. Not that we love God. You haven't had one good day in your life. Listen to me. Ellen says, the preachers need to remind the saints of this over and over again. If love, love is more powerful than death. Do you realize how high the standard of love is? The Bible says, keep no records of wrongs. First, first Corinthians 13. Let's look at it real quick. Can you do this? No, 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 no really. No, hey, tell me, can you, do, can, you, can you meet this standard? Love is patient. Love is kind. All right, listen. Uh, let's just go to hell right now. <laughs> so, no, 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 seriously. Seriously. Pastor, no, you don't understand. I was born with a kind nature. All right. Okay, you're kind. I got you on that. Um, it does not envy. It does not boast. So all the kind people, you just went to hell on that because, because you're boasting about you being kind. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. It always protects even their enemies. Always trusts. Always, 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 always. You, You can't have a bad day and be able to merit his salvation. You have one low day, you deserve hell. Do y'all? I'm going to end end short on this today. I have one more slide I want to show you. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
you can't do anything except believe that he's going to do it in you. And we don't like that because we like being in control. I struggle with that. I'll say, brother, I need you to do A, B, and C. Then I'm going, then I go help him do it. <laughs> now he says to me, I promise I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I need to learn to let him do it. That's the same thing we do with God. And next week, I'm going to talk about Jacob and Esau. I don't have time to get into it today. I'm going to show you how they did that thing. The issue with us is, is we struggle with the idea that we can love God. You can't love God. God has to get in you and help you to love him. This is why it is so important for you to get to the place where you realize that your life is an impossibility. You can't be righteous. You can't be faithful to your wife. You can't be a good man. You can't be a good woman. Except you have the Holy Ghost. Bill Cosby. Lord Jesus. Lord, what happened to Cliff Huxtable? man does anybody feel like that this week no come on man I mean listen I know all of us have made mistakes but man there's certain folk that you're kind of like man you know you just feel good about how good they've done and then the the most the, the like the best dude to ever be on television how many wanted to be a dad who wanted that home like, uh, dude, the Cosby's, anybody 80s in here? I mean, good God, like, the Bill Cosby's a sinner? <laughs> what? The greatest husband that ever lived cheated on his wife a number of times and raped women? What? Yo, I'm telling you, when I heard about it, I was like, dang, man! Nobody is good. Nobody can be trusted. Nobody is faithful. Nobody is holy. Nobody can do it the right way. Stop walking around here acting like you're a possibility. You're an impossibility. Except you have the comforter, the Holy Ghost, holding you and keeping you and causing you to do right. You can't do right on your own. I beg the church of God to get it in their mind. Without him, you can do nothing. And the whole system of church is based on levels of goodness. So you got regular members, church officers. They're a little holier, by the way. Yeah, they're a little holier than these folk. That's why they're sitting there. Can't let them be in the office. They ain't holy enough. That level, all right. Officers, board members, yeah. deacons, deaconesses. Elders, pastor, Bill Cosby. (laughs) Yeah. I have no other language to express it, so I'm going to express it the way Paul did. Paul said, look at there. Go to Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Oh, this is good for me. I'm tired of trying. I'm ready to start trusting. Oh, oh, I know you think. Listen. I know folk that used to be so hard on other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, until life happened. (laughs) Now, here's the crazy thing. There's some of you still being hard on people and life happened. You crazy. We all see your stuff stink and can smell it. And you still walking around here like you got like you Bill Cosby. Watch this Philippians. Can I show this to you? 
Don't, don't worry about, well, you, oh, go. Well, way to go, media team. Y'all, y'all better minister in there. Philippians. Philippians 3. Verse 12. And then when I read this text, let's go right back to the, to the slide. I got one more slide I want to show them. All right. Philippians, is this good? Am I helping anybody? Now, it's scary because you have no control over this. You have to ask God to come in and then wait for him to do his thing. Because if you try to manufacture righteousness, you end up right where you started. Some of y'all think y'all being good right now because you're in church. Coming to church just exposes that you're not good. Coming to church is for folk who ain't good. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you. Church is for sinners. Have I got any sinners in here today that know that you're a sinner? And the reason why you're here, because you need it? Watch this. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this or have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. Come on, saints. I do what? I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. My direction is toward God. But the thing that inspires me to live toward Jesus is what he's doing in me. Now put this last slide up for me so I can go home. Mm. On the, yeah, in the presentation. So, so when I saw this, so you know, the word stratagem, you know what that word means? It means to create a strategy that opposes the enemy. Watch this. This is what we're doing to God. God says, I'll save you. I'll live in you. I'll help you. We say, I got to get a strategy to help him help me. When we try to help God to be righteous, we're simply saying to him, you're not God at all. You're not loving enough, faithful enough, and good enough to save me on your own. I've got to help you. Watch this. Put this next slide. I love this. Saw this on Instagram. So, this is the plan of the church. Straight. Pastor's wearing a suit today. He doesn't have his t-shirt and stuff on. That's my pastor. No, 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 not the iPad. (laughs) Vegetarian. Watches 3ABN every day. And Hope Channel. Read Spirit of Prophecy. Huh? And I'm nice to people who are nice to me. I return tithe. Offering. And I'm so humble. And now I'm saved. Just that simple. Just follow me. No bumps on the road. No mistakes. No faults. I'm in the kingdom. How many know that's a lie? How many know your life make make that a lie? That's your plan. Your plan is no trials, no tribulation. No mistakes, no humiliation, none of that. And get Obama with it if you want to, you know. Now we got the little, we put some swag to it. 
I'm an Adventist. I'm better than all of you, especially you Sunday worshipers. Listen, this is how you do it. You have to walk straight. Does not the Bible say straight is the way, but broad? Okay, all right. Now, the direction is straight, but the path ain't. Your life looks, God's plan for you looks more like this. Yo, what you about to do? I'm about to be vegan. And here's what happens. Nothing works! I'm out! No, help us, help us, Lord. Help us, Come here, Sean. You already know why I called you. (laughs) Turn around, brother. Turn around. Father, I can't do it. Your word says, blessed are the poor in spirit. I failed at everything in my life. I felt like I was getting close, and I I just kept, kept getting pushed back. I kept falling and falling. Holy Spirit said, let me carry you. (laughs) That's how you're going to get in. That's how you're going. That's how you're going to get in. Y'all not hearing me in here today. That's how we're going to make it. He's going to carry you. And there's going to be. Look, when I saw this picture, I was blown. I mean, your boy got a bike. He's got a bike for a journey that doesn't require a bike. And then, and then he doesn't realize that there's a cliff. Just as he's starting out in his relationship with God. And then after that cliff, now notice now in the first picture, there's a flag at the end, one flag. But thanks be to God, God gives us victories all along the way. Yeah, let's praise the Lord. Come on, let's praise the Lord. How can you not love a God like that? How can you not love? Hey, hey, hey. Now, all of us will have an experience in our life. Like that middle section. Some of you stuck right now. That's where you are right now. You ain't really, you're not really doing the God thing. You're just showing up when you feel like it. You pray when you get desperate and don't got nobody to turn to. Because you think God is mad. There's no way he's going to get out of there unless somebody pulls him out. And in your life, you have to have an experience like that so that God can show you that it's really not up to you anyway. All to Jesus, I surrender. Some of y'all are frustrated because your journey is like this. But do you notice something? There's a storm even at the end. I just caught that. Somebody post and repost this. Post and repost that. Post and repost this. This is the gospel right here. Throughout life, there are going to be storms. Throughout life, there are going to be failures and faults. 
Look at the, look at the men in the Bible. So number one, how can you think that God ain't still madly in love with you because you done had a few failures? Number two, how can you be so hard on people and not patient with their journey when you know he's still working on you? I surrender. If you've been trying and not trusting, I want you to come out of your seat and come to the altar. I surrender all. All to thee, my Blessed Savior, I surrender. How does the verse go? The verse says, all to Jesus. Come in close. Trusting, move out of your seat right now. I surrender. Hey, all to thee, my said to me, he said, Myron, the reason why you're mean, unkind, unfaithful, disobedient, frustrated, arrogant, prideful, stubborn. Come on in here, somebody. Why you keep failing in areas that I've promised you victory is because you keep trying to manufacture and create your own version of righteousness. You don't have it. I got it. And so I know what you're asking. So pastor, I know we ought to believe in God, but the Bible says faith without works is dead. Now let me help you on that. When you trust God to work in you, to will and to do of his good pleasure then he will work out of you Lord have mercy Lord have mercy oh Jesus oh my God you didn't hear what I said when you begin to have faith in God that he's going to give you the victory over drugs and give you the victory over alcohol and give you the victory over sexual sin and give you the victory over pride and give you the victory over being judgmental and giving you the victory over self-righteousness and giving you the victory over your anger and over your unforgiveness and all the stuff. When you trust the word of God, when you trust his promise, he'll work in you. (laughs) Oh, yes. He will work in you. Y'all ain't feeling me right now. I said, the Holy Ghost will get inside of you and he'll start doing in you what you couldn't do for yourself. Oh, 
Oh, God, help somebody to get that today. So I got something for you today. I got something for you. Watch this. You need to see a supernatural move of God. If you are struggling in an area in your life, I'm going to put you to I'm going to put God to a test for you today. If you got an area in your life that you want victory over, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Watch this. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I stand here today. This is the gospel. I guarantee you. If you do what I tell you to do, you will have total victory. Thank you. If I can't preach that, then we ought to close up the church. Stop fooling with people and giving them tips and steps and strategies. Tell them about the power of God. I'm telling you right now what you ought to do. I want you to find a place. I'm talking about a real place. A real place. Sometime this week, sometime tonight, find you a real place. And I want you to fall on your face. And this is what I want you to say to God, very simply. I can't. I quit. I can't. I quit. Now, I want you to talk to God like you, like you're going to dare him. And then I want you to say to you, if you are God, if you are as powerful as you say you are, then I'm asking of you to keep your promise and give me victory. And then when you leave, I don't want you to do another religious thing. Some of y'all are too scared to even do it. No, 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 no. Listen to me. I don't want you to do another religious thing until the Lord moves on your behalf. Now, here's the guarantee. I guarantee you that when you get off of your knees and you've told God, I can't, I quit. I need you. I promise you help will come immediately. I promise you're going to sense a peace. It will not be a feeling, but it will be a state of peace where you know that you've been changed. I didn't say that you had become perfect, but that you know your mind has been renewed, that you've been changed. And when you get up off your knees, what I want you to do is I want you to praise him. I want you to begin to worship him like you've already got what you asked for. I lost somebody. I lost about a third of the congregation. I want you to say, God, I can't. I quit. I want you to say, I need you to help me. And then when you get up, make up your mind that you're not going to do another religious thing to help God and begin to praise him that he has given you what you asked for. You don't feel me today. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. And and when we praise God, we send a signal to heaven that we believe that the promises of God will be fulfilled in our lives. God showed me that many of you are afraid to put God to a test. So you rather help God out. You're afraid God ain't going to answer your prayer. I'm telling you right now, either get with God or get out. Stop playing this religious game. Either serve the Lord or go out there in the world and have you a good time. Either you're going to believe God. Holy cow, oh my God. Either you're going to believe that he is able, the Bible says, to do exceedingly, abundantly. Have I got anybody here today that knows that he can work miracles? Oh, you ain't feeling me yet. Is there somebody here? that doesn't mind praising the Lord because you are a miracle. Have I got some saints in here? I feel God. Have I got some saints in here that have felt and that they know if it had not been for the Lord? Hey, let's testify for a minute. Did he wake you up this morning? Did he start you on your way? Did he set anybody free from drugs and alcohol? Did he save your soul? Did he save your life? I want you to praise God like you lost your mind. Brothers and sisters, what I have noticed about the people in the Bible is that they were crazy enough to believe that God could do what he said he could do. Oh, God, help us right now. There are some saints here today who are so used to trying 
that they're afraid to trust you. And they will forever not meet your standard. Not ever be righteous. But live in their own righteousness. Because they're too afraid to either say God is God or he's not. And if he's God, he will take this thing from me. In the name of Jesus. Where is your confidence? Where is your courage? Put God to a test. Is there somebody that needs deliverance today? Raise your hand. Is there somebody that needs a deliverance in your spirit? Oh, Father, we lift our hands to you right now. Some of us have been through programs and processes and evangelistic meetings and worship services and prayer meetings and all-night prayer meetings and Sabbath school studies and we're no better than when we got started. We need a miracle in our heart. Not something that we can do on our own. Not a church thing, but a God thing. Holy Spirit, right now, move all over this congregation. Move by your spirit. Help somebody to be crazy like Abraham. Help somebody to be crazy like Isaac. Help somebody to not let go till you bless them like Jacob. Let there be somebody here today that says, I will trust in the Lord. I'll trust in the Lord. I'll trust in the Lord until I die. If you believe that God has heard your prayer, praise him right now. If you believe that God, come on in here, open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth and praise the Lord. Worship, worship. Angela. You may return to your seats. Victorious. Triumphant. Hallelujah. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. For he will make your path straight. Amen. Now they already gave us a two-song sample of what's in store this evening. So at 5.30, they will give us a full concert, okay? Will you stand for the benediction?